So it is Mother's Day, and most of us can say some of the best preaching we ever heard or ever hear is from our moms and some of the best singing. I appreciate Ryan especially letting some of our ladies uh, bless us with song today. Not only were their voices beautiful, but let's admit it, that was the best looking praise team we've had around here in a long time. And we want to honor you, moms. I'm in a series called, called, and I look through the Bible at some of the great calling passages. And one of those passages is the call of Mary to be the mother of Jesus. And since I knew I was going to teach on that passage, I decided this would be the perfect day to teach on it. So turn in your Bibles, please, to Luke chapter 1. As you do, I want to tell you a story in a book written by Bobby Moore. Not, not our Bobby Moore, but one that can write. Um, <laughs> he tells a story about a lady who called a friend because she had heard that the husband had been sick. So she called and said, how are things going? And she said, terrible. My head's splitting, my back and my legs are killing me, the house is a mess, the kids are going nuts. So very sympathetically, the caller said, well, let me tell you something, I'm coming right over. You just go lay down, I am going to fix some lunch, I'm going to clean that house, I'm going to watch the kids, and you can take a nap and get some rest. And how is Sam doing? And the voice said, Sam, my husband's name is not... Sam, to which the first caller said, oh, I am so sorry. I must have dialed the wrong number. There was a long pause. And then the harried mother said, so are you still coming over? (laughs) Because being a mother is the hardest job you will ever love. Few responsibilities are as overwhelming as they are underappreciated. And that's why... Moms need to see their role as more than just a duty or even a responsibility. They need to see it as a calling. That God is calling all moms. Because He wants to use them to do the impossible. So let's read starting in chapter 1 of Luke Beginning with verse 26. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
So the Holy One to be born would be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now watch this. Blessed is she who has believed that what the Lord has said to her will be accomplished. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. You see, I would like to suggest to you this morning that what Gabriel was extending to Mary was not so much a command... As an invitation. He was asking Mary to believe two incredible things. He was asking Mary, are you able to believe that God can do the impossible? And are you available for God to do the impossible with and through you? Now she's not being asked to understand To this day, we don't get Holy Spirit conception. There's a mystery here that no theologian can unwrap and unravel. She's not being asked to understand it. She's being asked, can you trust and obey? She had to believe before she could conceive. And her relative said to her, blessed are you, Mary. For you have been able to believe that the Lord could accomplish everything He promised. The angel waited and Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. My life belongs to Him. He can use it however He pleases. See, I want you to understand this about Mary. Mary was Jesus' first disciple. Think about it. Mary was the first person to hear the word about Jesus. And she responded with complete surrender. Instead of praying the world's most common prayer, and you know what I mean, because when God interrupts our lives with something incredible, the most common prayer ever prayed is, Thy will be changed. Instead, Mary prays the most committed prayer. Thy will be done. And by the way, 
she would teach her boy that prayer. And so Mary had a master before she became a mother. And it would be her own son. In fact, she would be the only human being who would follow Christ for his entire life. She's there obviously at his birth. She's there as he grows. She's there as they have to go to Egypt and come back. She's there that time they lost him in the temple. She's there during those teenage years. She's there as he's running the carpenter shop after Joseph's passed. She's there when he begins to initiate his ministry. She's there for the parade when they shout Hosanna. She's there the day they yell crucify him. Mary is the disciple who's always there. And as always the case in discipleship, Mary had no idea what kind of sacrifices and what kind of challenges lay in store for her when she signed up to be a part of Jesus' story. But she knew she had been chosen. And so she believed God would enable her to do what she had been chosen to do. You see, second thing about Mary. She saw mothering as a calling. Now you notice several times the angel and Elizabeth say, Oh Mary, you're so blessed. But there's nothing easy about being blessed To be the mother of Jesus. Just think for a moment about what her life was like. Pregnant before you're married. That would hang over her head her whole life. A difficult trip right at the time that you're due. No woman... Nine months pregnant wants her husband walking in saying, Honey, this weekend, let's take a 90-mile trip on donkeys. But God wanted that baby born somewhere else. A less than ideal birthing place. No woman wants to give birth with livestock around. A fugitive lifestyle. The first few years of Jesus' life, they lived on the run. Going from one place to the other because whatever king in power wanted to kill her baby. What's that like for a mom? Barely able to sleep every night. Jumping up nervously anytime the door knocks. Constant poverty. Mary was poor. When they brought the baby to the temple to be dedicated, they gave the offering the law allowed for poor people because that's all they had. She lived with the brunt of rumors and innuendos about her purity her entire adult life. Most probably she spent many years as a single parent. We don't hear of Joseph again after the age Of 12 in Jesus' life. Think about this. Do you remember that time Jesus came back for his first sermon in Nazareth? Her hometown. He shows up in the synagogue where she has gone her whole life. He preaches his first sermon. And they try to throw him off a cliff. 
Do you start to appreciate now what Simeon said to her that day they took the baby to the temple? This child is for the rising and the falling of many in Israel, and he will be spoken against. And then Simeon looked into Mary's eyes and he said, and a sword is going to pierce your soul. And so she was there. She didn't read about it. She didn't hear about it. She watched her son get murdered. And this is what God calls being blessed. See, the call of God is not an invitation to an easy life. But it's a call to live a life that's going to make a difference. It may not have been the life Mary would have chosen. But it's a life she embraced because she believed she was Chosen. In fact, when she started to realize God's purposes were going to break out through her, she broke out in song. My soul glorifies the Lord. The Mighty One has done great things for me. It was a hard call. But it was a call. And she saw her calling as a privilege, not as a problem. And so should every mother. Because God is calling all moms. This series has produced a lot of interesting conversations the last few weeks. I've had wonderful conversations with people thinking about changing their jobs. Thinking about doing mission work. Thinking about reinvesting their priorities and their money as they listen for God's call. And one of the neat conversations I had recently was with Derek and Heather Cheatham. Who have said that this series has confirmed for them, and particularly for Heather, a call to be a mom again. They've decided to adopt a baby from Ethiopia. And I thought you would be encouraged by their testimony. So watch the screen, please. We have three kids that are 13, 10, and 8. We have a boy, the oldest, and two girls. They're all, all very active in, in their sporting and all their activities. And we're, all, we're just one busy family like everyone else. And just kind of hitting the easy street. We're done with diapers, done with bottles, and um, everyone's very self-sufficient. We just really feel like this is something that the Lord called us to do. It kind of started with an email that was sent to me. It was forwarded many times, and when I opened the email, it was um, an old, old friend that I hadn't talked to in several years. And it was the video of their family picking up their child in Ethiopia that they had adopted. And... um from that point, we just started following Ethiopian adoption blogs, believe it or not. And um, the Lord just really stirred our heart for about a um, year and a half, I guess. And um, right. just worked on us and just our kids. I mean, the Lord worked through our kids to, you know, our kids wanted this and wanted to adopt. And why can't we adopt? And it became something that was talked about in our house. Yeah, I guess at first we thought it was a neat thing for someone else to do, but we never saw something that we would actually, you know, go through with. Or I guess we weren't even considering it at first. We just thought it was a neat story that, you yeah. know, 
people would take that on. So. That someone else would do that. That's right. a great thing for someone else to do, not necessarily us. <laughs> well, the stirring just never stopped. It just, just something just stirring and stirring and stirring. I thought, well, if I stop reading these blogs and don't involve myself in these things, then maybe it'll go away. Well, it, it never went away. And it wasn't anything that Derek and I even, I mean, we, it was talked about, but I didn't even know if I really wanted to do that. That would be crazy. And, um, I think through a series of many different events, I mean, there were so many God things. And, um, one day I just looked at him and said, what are we going to do? And, and he said, how can we not do this? We know that there's 147 million orphans out there. Yeah, I just turned 40, and I felt like that, you know, up, up until this point, I've, we've done kind of the American dream life. We've had kids, and we all have good jobs, and, you know, we're all busy. And I, I guess I felt like that, you know, I wanted to do something that was more kingdom-oriented or something that would be more geared towards the kingdom and, and I didn't want to be 80 someday and look back and wish that we had done, you know, something that would really make a difference eternally. The biggest thing, I think we finally had decided that, okay, we're going to do this and we're going to check into it. We're going to do it. And so we started telling our family. I called my dad and and I said, I, you know, sit down. I have something to tell you. And I think we're going to adopt from Ethiopia. And he was just said, wow. Wow. And the day before I made this phone call, I had, I just said, God, you've got to show me that we're not crazy, that we haven't made this all up in our heads, that, you know, we haven't decided that this is what's best for our family. And he, um, you know, so I was waiting for this. I kept asking for neon signs and burning bushes that mm-hmm. you just got to tell me that this is what we're supposed to do. So when I called my dad, he, um, he said, wow, I, he said, I don't even know how to tell you this. He said, but I've been having these dreams of your family with a black child in the picture. And the fall before we had um, raised funds to build a water well in Africa. And he said, I thought that that's what this was about, seeing these visions of this child. And um, he said, I thought it was about your water well that you had raised the funds for. And he said, but now I know. And, and that was a, it was a done deal. And I said, okay, thank you, God. Thank you for that neon sign. Mm-hmm. So that's when we knew. Yeah, the that next day we turned in the paperwork to, mm-hmm. to Gladney and never looked back. So. Mm-hmm. This call as being a mother again to a young child um, is, it's scary. But I, what I've learned through the process is that God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. And there's been many times before we made the final decision to adopt that I thought, I'm not a good enough mother. You know, I'm not the perfect mother, and I'm going to take on someone else's child to be mine, and I need to be a perfect mother. And 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 I found that God's going to help me along the way. I mean, this is his call, so it's going to work out perfectly. I love that. And when Heather told me the story about her father having a dream of a little black child in their family pictures, I said, I want you to tell the church. Because I believe God feels that strongly about mothering as a calling. But now I need to say something real quick to all you moms. Some are never going to view your calling 
favorably. And it pains me to say that. But the fact of the matter is, highly favored is not how many view the role of mother today. Some years ago, Planned Parenthood put an ad in magazines and papers and they showed a woman from about the 1920s surrounded by 10 healthy children. She's smiling. They look happy. But the caption that Planned Parenthood put under that picture was, they want to set you back a long way, baby. The implication was obvious. Who in their right mind today would want to do nothing more with their life than raise kids? That's the thing about calling. It always, it did for Mary, it will for you, it will for all of us. Calling always includes the possibility of being scorned or rejected or misunderstood. Maybe that's why Gabriel said first thing to Mary, don't be afraid. When God calls us, God asks us to reframe our picture of life through a kingdom lens and not the lens that culture gives us. I've always liked the story that Tony Campolo, a well-known writer and preacher, tells. His wife has a Ph.D. She's a brilliant woman, capable of making a very lucrative living in her particular field. But she chose to be a stay-at-home mom when her children were small. Now, Tony moves in some pretty elite academic circles himself, and she would often go with him at a conference or a reception, and someone would walk up and say, and what do you do? And although she's got a PhD, what she would say is, I'm a homemaker. I take care of my husband and our two children. To which they would say, oh, that's nice. And then they would turn and talk to somebody else. So she learned to reframe her response. So that when people would ask her what she would do, she would reply, I'm socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition so that they can be equipped to become agents of transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God had in mind from the beginning. What I would encourage all of you who've heard God's call, particularly you moms to do, is the same thing that Mary did. Go find Elizabeth. What do I mean? You go find somebody who's also heard a call from God, who has also experienced that God still does the impossible, and hang out with them. Hang out with people who believe in God's call. Hang out with people who believe God's still active and doing the impossible in the world. That's one reason you need to be in church. We're still a place where it's safe to celebrate the impossible things God's doing. This is still a community where moms are highly favored. This is still a kingdom where moms are highly effective. The agnostic Robert Ingersoll at the height of his fame was given this lecture at a college one time and these two students went to hear him. He attacked the Christian religion with his usual gusto. And when he was through, one student, as they were walking away, said to the other, well... Ingersoll certainly knocked the props out from under Christianity, didn't he? To which the other student replied, no, I don't think he did. Because Ingersoll didn't explain my mother's life. And until he can explain my mother's life, I think I'll stand with my mother's God. Moms, you make a difference. And God is asking you to view your calling faithfully. Here's your two greatest challenges, and it's not what you think. 
We tend to think, well, it's energy and funds. I just need more energy and I need more money. That's not your greatest need. Your two greatest needs are faith and courage. That's why the angel said, Mary, don't be afraid, but believe. Believe that God is real. Believe that God is active. Believe the Holy Spirit is coming over you. Live bravely and believe that God still does the impossible. Here's my problem. Maybe you moms can relate. I have no problem believing God can do the impossible. If you ask me, do you believe God can do anything? I say, yes. My problem is believing He can do anything with me. There are many days in our lives, particularly in the lives of moms, where it's hard to believe anything of value happened. The house is a mess. The kids are sick. There's still homework to get done. And you go to bed exhausted and you, you think, I can't point to one single kingdom difference I feel like I made today. And that's when God says, Believe. Believe in what we're partnering to do. Be faithful. Elgin Staples, serving in World War II, and the ship Astoria in the Pacific, the Battle of Savoy Island, was literally swept off the ship out into the water. His legs were wounded. The only thing that kept him afloat was this life belt he had on. He was later picked up by a passing destroyer. That life belt was made by the Firestone Tire and Rubber Company, and it had a processing number on it, a registration number. It just so happened his mother back home worked for that company, and he asked, why do they do that? And he said, well, it's quality control just to make sure that the people working on them uh, do good work. What's the number? And he told her she had made that belt. Her faithfulness when she didn't know what difference it was making would save his life. Don't let the world abort what the Holy Spirit is trying to do with you. There's a calling on every mom. And we want to embrace it, endorse it, and support it. So we do this every year, but this year I wanted to do it in the sermon. I want to pray. Over the moms. I'm going to start and ask. And I want you to remain standing please. I'm going to ask all the great, great grandmothers in the room to stand up. If you're a great, great grandmother. Looky here. We got some great, great grandmothers. Isn't that awesome? Remain standing. Remain standing please. Let's, let's let the great grandmothers in, stand up and join them. The great grandmothers. Isn't that awesome? Now let's have the grandmothers stand up, please. The grandmothers. And before I ask the mothers to stand, I want to say to you standing, Scripture is very clear 
that you never stop or retire from your role as an influencer of the generations. Scripture places just as great a burden on the grandparents and the great-grandparents as the parents. Because nobody can tell your story like you can. God's faithfulness through the generations. Your calling is still on you. Now I'm going to ask all the mothers to stand up, please. All of you, please. Amen. And I'm going to encourage, before I pray, I'm going to encourage all of you to go and get one of those cards if you didn't. And you send your mom a note. And you know, there are some of us like me. I can't send my mom a note anymore. This is my third Mother's Day without my mom. So I'm going to send one to someone else. Don't ever take for granted the chance you have to thank your mom. Before I pray over you, I'm going to ask if you're sitting by one of these great women, put your hand on them or put your hand toward them. Let's encourage them as I pray. And so, Father, I pray now over the, all these who stand, for the, you have placed upon them a great call. A call to partner with the Holy Spirit in the raising up of disciples for Jesus. And that means, Father, that just like Mary, their first job is to be a disciple of Jesus. So I ask you, Father, to help them to be faithful to Jesus, to be passionate and to be more in love with Jesus right now than they've ever been. Give them great faith and courage for their role, God. I pray for the grandmothers and great-grandmothers in our midst that they will finish strong in their role as the teller of the story of Jesus in their family. And I pray for the young moms that they will find, Father, great faith to believe, even especially on the days when it doesn't seem like they're doing anything but just keeping their heads above water. They're making a kingdom difference. And Father, one more thing. Right now, I want to pray for the women in this room who desperately wish right now they could stand, but they can't. They would love to be a mom, but they're not. I know how much it hurts. I pray, Father, your peace and your comfort will bless them on a day that for them is a hard day. That if it be your good pleasure, Father, I would pray that next year they get to stand. But I would also pray that your presence becomes so precious and dear to them. That they can too say, I'm the Lord's servant. He can use my life however He chooses. We pray, God, that we will all hear and obey the call. Thank you for these who are showing us how. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. See, one reason I think Mary was so important is Mary shows us what discipleship looks like. Discipleship is a life of hard, risky, challenging, wonderful, thrilling adventure in following Jesus. You see, Mary was the first person Jesus lived inside. 
I don't think she was meant to be the last. She's not just his mother. She's our model. Because we are all called to bring Christ into the world. God has just used our moms to show us a little bit more about what that looks like. Look at this verse with me from Colossians 1. God decided to let His people know this rich and glorious secret which He has for all people. And the secret is Christ Himself who is in you. He is our only hope for glory. See, I believe the only hope for the world is Christ living in us. And I believe your only hope in the world Is Christ living in you? For many of us, that's what our moms prayed every day from the moment we were born. That Christ would live in us. So we're going to sing a song here in just a moment. And as we sing that song, I'm going to give you a chance today to make the decision Mary made. That I will have a master. You can come, you can confess Jesus... Ask Him to move into your life. You can be baptized today and start your life of partnering with the Holy Spirit. It's your call.